0: I'm 26, I live in the USA, and I was just diagnosed with ADHD. Um, In this podcast, I will chronicle my experience and efforts to manage my condition. I know there are other resources out there, um, but I didn't find a podcast exactly like this one, you know, where someone talks about it as they go through it from the beginning. And I think this would be interesting to potential listeners, but also to myself, perhaps useful to people going through similar experiences. It's uh, something I'd like to listen to if it already existed, um, and if it does, point it my way. And I think it will really help hold me accountable um, as I try to manage this and improve my life. So for this first episode, I'm going to discuss um, how I got here today. I'll talk about how ADHD has affected me throughout my life. As I was undiagnosed until recently um, and how I did and didn't deal with it. I'll try to keep it chronological to keep on track and um, follow my outline which right now it's pretty um, well written but once we just get into the bare bones you'll probably hear me ramble a little bit but I'll try to keep on track. So as a child I was actually almost diagnosed in preschool. Um, I was pretty crazy. I'm not going to be using perfectly politically correct language in this podcast for any super PC types out there. Sorry. Um, I'll try to be like decent, but I'm just going to be talking and sorry, but not really sorry. Just deal with it. Um, so yeah, I was a crazy child. Um, I climbed before I could walk. So that meant the furniture, the shelves. Um, I remember one time I Wanted to get like the fish food or something, and so I climbed probably like six feet up on the wall. This was like four. It was pretty memorable, only because I almost fell and died. Um, And my mom saw me um, on the top shelf, and she panicked. I did a lot of sports, which I'm sure helped. Um, I was very excitable. I talked a lot. Um, I was just all over the place. I also climbed a lot of trees. I kind of lived in trees. My parents called me a monkey. Um, But anyway, so I was almost diagnosed um, because of all that. But then my mom put me in karate. uh, And this was around preschool. And uh, the karate instructor um, asked us all to stand still. And whoever stood still the longest won. And I stood still the longest. So my mom kind of threw up her hands and said, oh, she doesn't have it. She's good. Um, And also in the background, there was like my grandmother going, oh, girls don't have ADHD. So that didn't help. In grade school and middle school, I guess the symptoms that I had were, um, you know, not picking up after myself to a poor extent. <laughs> like, my mom would call my room a pigsty. I hated chores. Um, I would do anything to avoid them. I had trouble making and keeping friends. Um, I think it was just, I talked too much, I interrupted too much. Like I said, I was excitable, um, and I think just in general, I was too much. With the interruption, I interrupted my teachers all the time to finish their sentences, which um, I think some of them were tolerant because if there was a a pause at the end of the sentence and I figured out the right word for the end of it, they'd be like, oh wow, a smart kid. Um, And I was not a teacher's pet, but I was pretty close. (laughs) Um, But I I remember there was one teacher who made a comment, she couldn't remember the word that she wanted to finish her sentence with, and she said, Caitlin, What what do I want to say? And I froze. I think it was kind of a jab, but as a child, I just I don't know how I registered it. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah. I did write a lot of stories on the sly during boring classes. I would um I'm a writer. I would have little lined sheets of paper, um like half under my folders or binders or whatever, and I would just write on it. I would write stories about like talking animals and magic and. Sort of. A lot of fantasy. And I'm sure my teachers noticed, but I was doing well in class, and I know a couple, like, mentioned it, but I kind of just did it anyway. Um, in middle school is when I really began to develop a gaming addiction. My father purchased um, a membership to this World of Warcraft knockoff sort of game, and, um, I started playing it too. I think partially was to bond with him, but also mostly (laughs) it was because it really was addictive. Um, I remember it got to the point where, like in sixth and seventh grade, I would go to bed around eleven, fall asleep around midnight, uh, sleep for like two two and a half hours, and my int- then my internal clock would just like wake me up at like two or two thirty or whatever. I'm really sorry if you hear my hear breathing in the background. That's my dog sleeping. I have yelled at him to stop, but he just ignores me and goes back to sleep. Anyway, gaming addiction, waking up at like two thirty. I would play. I would sneak down the hallway like I was a spy and then I would play the game until like 5 in the morning and then I would pretend to sleep slash maybe nap for like half an hour and then proceed with life. Um, and sometimes I, I really didn't have any sleep at all because I would pretend to sleep at 5, but I figure skated. I was pretty hardcore and sometimes I would have 5am or 6am practices and I would wake up at 5am for them. So there were nights when I probably got a total of like two hours of sleep and that was the dorm. Um, And then I would work out, go to school, uh, do my homework, um, rinse and repeat. It was kind of non-stop. I never really stopped to breathe. Also in middle school, um, that's when I kind of developed this, I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about it, but it was like an eyelash picking habit. I think it was, looking back and knowing what I know now, I think it was just sort of this sensory thing. Um, it just uh, kind, it was kind of soothing it wasn't like I enjoyed the pain and it was re- it's really embarrassing to go around with no eyelashes especially because I didn't know how makeup worked and so it's not like I could even fake having them with eyeliner but yeah it, was, it I still do not even know how to how to explain it 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 was just this it just met this sensory need I guess for stimulation in high school uh, I kind of, became more self-aware, and so I I learned how to shut up and listen, Um, and that's kind of how I think I made and maintained more friendships, um, just by being a good listener, which was, sometimes I didn't feel authentic, but in a way, I I really do think it it helped me grow as a person, just to see life from other people's perspectives and actually think about it, instead of just kind of jumping and going, and just being on the go-go-go sort of mindset. Around that time, I also quit figure skating in a lot of the sports I did as a kid. Um, I should point out, those included, like, cross-country, track, soccer, softball, figure skating, again, I said that was hardcore. I did a tiny bit of speed skating. I think that was it. But anyway, I did a lot of sports. It really helped. But in high school, I didn't because partially of asthma, and also I just didn't want to anymore. Um, and I kind of replaced that, though, with um music and the arts, so I did a... Uh, theater a fair amount of that um not like acting but I did the sound a lot of sound and lights mostly sound though so I did a lot of theater I I joined band and um banded band a band ended up being kind of um a grounding activity during high school I did marching band I did jazz band I did jazz quartet wind ensemble it got to the point where in senior year I think I was in band like three times a day in school itself like the academics I, I did pretty well. Um, I did kind of slide in high school because homework was there was just more homework. Um, there was a, a lot of procrastinating um, so I waited till the last minute all the time to get my homework done. Um, I was mainly motivated by urgency. I did have an assignment notebook and that we got throughout grade that was grade middle and high school we got assignment notebooks which are Glorified planners for students if you don't know and that was kind of um I needed that that was the only way I could remember to get stuff done if it wasn't in my assignment notebook It wasn't happening, so I put literally everything in there, and I didn't I took it for granted I didn't realize just how much I needed it until I would lose it my that's when I stopped eyelash picking also in high school But I switched to lip biting again It was like this uh, need for like physical stimuli just to I don't know keep my brain functioning and so instead of walking around with eyelashless eyes, I would have red bitten bloody lips, gross. And again, I still wasn't a big makeup person, so it's not like I knew how to cover it with lipstick. And uh I played the saxophone, which you use a wooden reed, and so I'd be I'd be playing the saxophone and my lips would be kind of like rubbed raw on this wooden reed uh, because they were already bloody. You don't actually like rub your lips on it. It's weird. But um It was bad and I couldn't stop myself no matter what I did. I still can. It's something I'm really hoping I can help now. But oh and also in classes I zoned out a lot but again I held my own. Um, I'm pretty smart so I I think that's been both um, helpful and uh, hindering and I was able to slide by because I could do homework at the last minute. I could do it five minutes before class and it would be mediocre which I mean, if you're doing that five minutes before class, it's pretty good. I did well on tests. and uh, Overall, though, I think that um, s- the school structure and the schedule, even though I felt like I was burning the candle at both ends, um, I think it helped a lot to keep me um, functioning, to keep me moderately successful, to keep my mind active. Although, I, I got to say, I, I was mov- motivated primarily by um, t- uh, fear, urgency... Um, stress. There was just so much, so much stress, which is not always a bad thing, but in this case, it was too much. The reason it was too much wasn't necessarily because of school, which, um, I could have had better mental tools to handle, but a lot of it was actually due to my family. Um, I think my family, uh, the pressure on me from them inadvertent or not was actually part of why I did so well in school. But it's also the reason why I developed a ton of anxiety, and I always felt like I was managing them. Um, my dad had a, has a smorgasbord, or whatever, of, uh, disabilities, or diagnoses, or diagnoses, I don't know how to say it, plural. But he has diabetes, diverticulitis, depression, Asperger's. He, uh, with the diverticulitis, his guts, like, actually exploded at one point, and I had to clean blood off the walls, uh, TMI. And with his depression, when I was 15, he tried to kill himself. So, um... I was basically my entire high school career, I was afraid he was going to die at any moment. At the same time, he was also like really mean, Um, and I think it would have been best if my parents had divorced. Um, They're separated now, but uh, I guess it's better late than never. My therapist later on compared him to an alcoholic in terms of behavior, so it um, it was not the best household ever. It wasn't the worst, but no, it wasn't the best. My brother was also, he I have a little brother, he's six years younger than me, he was being bullied. He was struggling with not uh, failing each grade. Um, He also has Asperger's and ADHD, um, and sometimes I felt like a third parent to him. My family was very dysfunctional. If you look at the family roles, uh, a while ago I did, in college I researched them, and my brother was kind of like a combination of the scapegoat and the clown. Um, He was the problem child who was, like, simultaneously babied but also punished. And, uh, yeah, he was just, all their focus was pretty much on him. Um, My focus was on him. Me, I was kind of a combination of the role of the caretaker um, on my good days and on my bad days, the manipulator. So, again, like, I felt like a third parent to him. I felt, like, almost like a parent to my father just because he was such, he's kind of a baby and a manipulator on the bad days when I just, like, Lost all sense of compassion and was just like fuck you all, um, in my head. But to them, I was just like I don't know. I enjoyed pushing their buttons or making them do what I wanted them to do. Which, to be honest, looking back, was not actually that bad. I mainly wanted them to be nice to my brother and leave me alone. Um, but I, I knew I was being manipulative and I felt bad about it. Um, my mom was kind of a combination of the en- the enabler and the martyr. I mean, that kind of I think it says it all. Um, and my father has, you know, he was. The addict, the center of our problems, Um, not an addict, but like I said, my therapist compared him later to an alcoholic in terms of behavior, so that's pretty much all you need to know. And throughout all this, I kind of felt like all my parents' hopes and dreams and like the stability of my family kind of rested on my shoulders, Um, and I felt like if I messed up, uh, there would be dire consequences. Like I said, I, I worried about my dad killing himself or having his guts literally split open again. So. There was a lot of fear, a lot of urgency, a lot of anger too. I was kind of like living on adrenaline throughout all of high school, which is not good for a developing brain, but I mean, throughout all that mess, it's not like, ADHD doesn't seem like much to deal with throughout all that mess. To be honest, it I had heard of it, I knew of it, I knew kids with it, but it never occurred to me that I could have it. And Any of my symptoms that I had for ADHD could be blamed on the anxiety what I was dealing with at home. And also in a weird way I think because of the problems at home and the ADHD kind of tendency to thrive on urgency and to kind of um, not do well on but at least function under pressure and kind of function uh, maladaptively under adrenaline. I think that's one reason or the main reason I did pretty well. That said (laughs) The consequences of this were kind of they they were long lasting. So let me move on and talk about that. After a year at um, a midwestern college for um, psychology and English, I kind of I ended up transferring to the University of Southern California's screenwriting program. They have an acceptance rate lower than Harvard Law, so it was um, quite the accomplishment. I was very proud. Um, I was thrilled, and honestly, very very surprised. I had crammed out my application in about a month um, and before that I had written a feature screenplay in also about a month just to prove to myself that I could. So I that was all hyper and which is good but also bad because it's hard to achieve that focus. Again, that was also urgency. There were deadlines and if I didn't want to stay at this kind of boring college for another year and waste 60000 or $30,000 or whatever, then um, I had to get it done and I did. And that's how I ended up at UFC, which was great, but also, you know, it was college. Um, it's a much different environment from my dysfunctional family and my very structured high school. So with that loss of structure came a lot, uh, an extreme loss of productivity. Um, and that was because I, I procrastinated. I was allowed to procrastinate. And I literally waited till the last minute to do everything and I got away with it. Um, it was uh, The majority of college, my major specifically was writing, but even my GE's, it's all papers. Um, liberal arts papers, too. So I could bang out a, a, t- a five-page paper, ten-page paper even, depending on the subject, in like three hours. And just because, compared to the other GE students, it would be... It, it was good, because I used like proper grammar, and I spelled words correctly and writing just comes naturally to me, so the words flow well or whatever. I, I still got like A's. Um, and also in screenwriting itself, it's um, it's all stories. So, if you function well under pressure and you've only got five hours before the deadline, you can I could pound out a decent story. They weren't good, that's the thing. They were decent, but they weren't good, they weren't great, which is what people go there to do. They learn to be great, and I wasn't being great. So that was stressful. I did end up um, my final year using a bullet journal, um, to, uh, and I turned it into a planner. I kind of gave up on the actual bullets um, and just used a regular, uh, a big sketchbook and calendared out my, my weeks. And that helped to an extent. It was just sticking with the journal and using it consistently that I needed to do. And again, it, was, it felt like a little uh, late <laughs> to finally do it in your senior year. Not coincidentally, however, senior year is when I wrote, like, my best piece, um, and that kind of carried me through the next couple years, but I'll talk about that later. With college, um, on the flip side, came leaving home, which meant there was no more fear, no more guilt, no more anger, and no more adrenaline to drive me. I mean, I still had a couple incidents where I had to, like, talk my dad down from throwing chairs around, but I was on the phone, and I was in, I was, like, half a country away, so... And my brother was older, too. He was bigger. He could defend himself more. And in general, it was a lot less stressful on that end. But because of that, I had—I actually kind of lost my sense of self. My childhood, uh, I had my, my role as the caretaker, uh, manipulator person, it had kind of consumed me. And so without that structure, that familial structure to fit into, I didn't really know who I was. I knew I was a writer and I wanted to Right? And there was so little, I, I was figuring out who I was again. I was having an identity crisis. But with also that, la- that lack of self, there was way less motivation. Um, again, no more urgency, no more adrenaline. Uh, I didn't really know how to function without that panic, uh, that constant sense of panic. However, it did provide time for a lot of self-reflection and uh, burgeoning self-awareness. I ended up going to psychiatrists about anxiety. Um, and I ended up getting a prescription for Zoloft, which I stayed on, stayed on for a few years. And I went to lots and lots of therapy. I think I saw four different therapists. Uh, two of them I did well with. Two of them I was like, ugh. But I dealt with my childhood issues. Um, and there was a lot of anxiety that stemmed from that. I mean, that having a dysfunctional family, it, it affects you. You develop a lot of negative coping habits um, and ways of dealing with stress in life and relationships. And in therapy, I dealt with that. Um, And actually, once I started working, um, I weaned myself off the Zoloft. And at that point, it didn't really make a difference. So there was that. But anyway, also in college, (laughs) I got more sleep. I know most people, when they go to college, they get less sleep because there's more more stuff to do. But without all that constant familial stress, I ended up learning that I could go to bed at like... Eleven or midnight, and actually fall asleep, and with late, and I could set my schedule so I had late courses, and I could like sleep until ten. I had an average of like eight hours of sleep a night, and it was amazing. I kind of got spoiled with it, to be honest. I feel like, but uh, other than that, symptoms in college, I was chronically late to everything. I no longer had a uh, assignment notebook, just automatically given to me. So th- those first three years before I had the bullet journal. I would plan to be on time, I, I, there were times when I made it on time, but you know, I would always forget my keys, I forgot to lock the door, I forgot my water bottle, I forgot my wallet, I uh, forgot my backpack, I forgot glasses my final year, I just kept forgetting shit. Or even homework in the last minute. So I'd be like, I'm 15 minutes late to class but here's my assignment. And it was just, it was chronic. Um, and I also in college I realized that I had some sensory issues. So in middle school and high school, even though I had friends, I didn't really go to parties or anything, but in college I went to parties. And at parties there are a lot of conversations going on around you, there's a lot of talking, there's music. USC's kind of in the city so there were cars and crazy college students doing their thing. And people would try to have conversations with me. But um, even if, if the music wasn't that loud and I could physically hear them. I couldn't really tell what they were saying because I couldn't focus on their words. So I knew they were speaking at me in English and with syllables. But there were so many syllables and English words going on around me in the different conversations during those parties. And music, too, that I, I, I couldn't compute the words. They didn't really um, register in my head. No matter how I tried, it was very frustrating. Um, that sometimes happens with music, too. People will be like, oh, listen to this song. And I just can't tell the words apart from the rest of the music. Like, I can be like, oh, th- those are English, but I just can't string the syllables together to form words in my head. For a while, I actually thought I had audit- an auditory processing disorder, and I researched that, but I found there's that there was, like, nothing to do about it, so I wasn't going to waste my money on going to a doctor and being like, yo, test my hearing, but let's just diagnose me and have no solutions. And also in college, um, <laughs> there was um, a lot of... Um, development of kind of an inferiority complex um, and this intense feeling of never being good enough or being able to reach my full potential. Um, The problem with going to a school with an acceptance rate lower than Harvard Law is that people expect you to be amazing, and I expected myself to be amazing. And so when I wasn't amazing because I did everything last minute instead of giving it the time it needed, I felt awful. And I, I and I would see my peers go on to do these amazing things, to win these contests, um, to get published, to get these amazing uh, high-profile internships and work with like celebrities and all that stuff. And I wasn't. I mean, I kind of did, to be honest. Um, but I I wasn't meeting my full potential. Um, as many people um, with ADHD experience, and I knew it and I blamed myself. I just thought they were character flaws. But now um, I know and I'm going to try to (laughs) reshape my brain's wiring to not focus on the negative so much. Oh, and also in college, I, I lived with roommates, I no longer lived at home. And so at home, I I had always had a pigsty of a room. room. When I was living with roommates, I, I tried a little harder, but I just couldn't keep up or couldn't make myself do it very much. And in one year, I had someone who was even messier than me, so I felt like, oh, look, I'm doing okay. But messier than me means they left their rotten food out and stuff, and we had ants and bugs, and I was like, ooh. And the shower was, like, sticky with coconut oil. It was bad. But because it was bad, I was like, well, I'm doing okay because I don't leave rotten food out. Whatever. That's not the case. Um, it's good to be able to walk on your floor and not leave dirty laundry all over the place. And that is what I did. And it kind of it did lead to, argue, it lead to arguments. Um, it ended up, uh, I ended up rooming with my roommate, with, rooming with my best friend um, the year after college. And it did strain our relationship. I had a dog at that point, and I didn't vacuum nearly enough, and she, I think, had a mild allergy to dogs. And so, to be honest, I was kind of an asshole in that way, but I wanted to vacuum. I just couldn't make myself do it, sort of. (sighs) I'm working through it. Yeah, anyway, messy apartments, and I couldn't blame my family anymore. I also had friends in college, but I never felt like I had the capacity or like space in my head for a romantic relationship until the end of college. Um, I mean, I was dealing with um, the consequences of my dysfunctional family, um, so I, I kind of used that as an excuse. I kind of, like, fine, that's, honestly, I'm glad I did bring someone into that. And at the end of, the, at the end of college, when I was like, okay, I've got my issues sorted, I feel like a normal human capable of being loved, let's go date someone. I did. I think it was a combination of both history uh, and ADHD, nature, nurture, that sort of thing. So I managed to skate by in college. I mean, I still graduated cum laude or whatever, Um, but again, not meeting my full potential. Um, And again, all my classmates were going on to do these amazing things, and I was kind of just languishing away, I felt like. Um, That said, I did, um, for my thesis, I wrote um, a really good pilot. It was fantasy and urban crime. It was the one thing where I stopped trying to meet other people's expectations, and it was kind of my my screw-it script, and I just did whatever the hell I wanted, which ended up being great. It did win a lot of contests. It did get noticed from managers. Um, The thing is, those managers wanted me to rewrite it before they would consider repping me. Since I'd written it, it was no longer really interesting to me, and rewriting was kind of a chore, and it didn't get done. So despite the momentum I I had that could have enabled me to, like, make it as a writer. I, I literally didn't just have my foot in the door. I, ha- I was, like, in the door. I was in the room. Um, I was in the magician's room. It was great. Um, they're cool. I like them. Um, I could see a future for me there. It's just I couldn't do the work. Um, I knew I could do the work, but I couldn't make myself start to do the work and then follow through with it, which, again, I chalked up to a character flaw and was just kind of like, one day, one day maybe I'll be able to do it. But I I got complacent, and I I just kind of accepted that as the status quo. So I entered the workforce with at least that under my belt. It was on my resume, great. And I became uh, an assistant at a a literary management company. Uh, I actually worked at two of them. And literary managers in the entertainment industry, what they do is um, they work with writers, as you can guess. And they basically shape and guide a writer's career. It depends on the writer's needs. What they do. Some of them are going to be more focused on the writer's actual material and shaping it up to sell. If you, ha- I mean, honestly, lit managers would be great for someone with ADHD. They could be your cheerleader, cheerleader, and be like, "Yo, you got to rewrite the script. Try X, Y, Z. You could do it. We're- we can sell it if you could just do this. Come on, are you writing today? Did you write?" That said, not all of them are going to do that. Some of them are very salesmen They're very salesman-like, uh, and both. Both offices I worked at, I actually worked for a team, Um, and in each team there was like the salesman, and then there was the one who actually knew how stories worked, but was more introverted and couldn't sell. Anyway, long story short, that's what a lit manager does. And I really liked it. Um, I wanted to be my bosses. So for the first like six months or so, I was um, like a sponge absorbing all the information I could take in. I was extremely competent the first six months or so, because I cared. I was interested, it was engaging, and then I figured the job out, and I figured out I wanted to do, be my bosses, I didn't want to be sending their emails for them, or taking stupid calls, and um, I just couldn't maintain that extreme competency anymore. I wasn't incompetent, but I was mediocre, or not mediocre, I was good, but mediocre compared to everyone else's good, I guess, something like that. I also, I still have poor impulse control in certain ways. I mean, it showed. Like, I would talk and blurt out random thoughts way too much, um, and it was not appropriate in that, in that environment. And at one point in my last job, I had kind of decided at that point that I didn't want to be in the entertainment industry. Um, I got so bored that um, I took out my phone and started playing a game, which was really stupid, but I was just like, I just did it. And I got caught, and I just pretended that it wasn't happening which was kind of dumb, um, but that happened. Oh, and I did decide to leave the enter- entertainment industry because I could see myself as a lit manager in the future, but, you know, I, I said I absorbed everything like a sponge, and very few people in the enter- in entertainment industry are happy, and I knew I wouldn't be one of those few people because I had that increasing sense of never being good enough. Um, I could see myself having a career and being mildly successful, but... Um, in the industry, everyone's competing with each other. Everyone's trying to one-up each other. Um, even if I was mildly successful, it would always be mildly. And I, I wanted to write, but I just couldn't make myself write. So even if I was a lit manager, I would always be living vicariously through my clients. It would pale in comparison to what I knew I could do. It would not be fun. Anyway, during that time, I also got a dog. I think I mentioned that. Um, and I got a dog ostensibly to deal with my anxiety, but I think it was more to deal with the anxiety that my ADHD symptoms were causing that I didn't label ADHD. Um, So specifically, uh, I got a dog to give me some semblance of structure, um, and I told people that. So I would wake up, I would take him for a walk, then I would go to work. Um, I would also feed him breakfast, and in feeding him breakfast, I'd be like, oh, you know, I need to eat too. I would get back from work and walk him and make and make him dinner and I'd be like oh shit I should probably eat too. So he got me out and about and also I didn't hole up my room and not socialize at all cuz at least I would see people with him and he was kind of a conversation starter which I didn't actually really want to have conversations but I think it was good to have some exposure to the world. But anyway, so so that is why I got a dog. He gave me some structure, grounding, um, something to live for, I mean, I was, yeah, anyway, my apartment was still a disaster, however, I had to live alone, I, I say had with quotes, quotation marks, because I didn't actually have to, but I did because my mess was too much, and the distractions roommates would, would make was too much, um, for me to deal with, and, I'm safe moderately focused when I needed to focus, um, and also just the mess is embarrassing, and it causes issues, and, uh, At least my dog, who I called my roommate, he didn't care that much that his fur was everywhere. He didn't care that my dirty laundry was everywhere, although he chewed up many pairs of underwear, which is kind of gross, dude. But anyway, I felt like I was doing the bare minimum for my career, but I couldn't get up the motivation to do more. We talked about that. Um, However, during this time, the game changer occurred, and that is my current relationship. With the dog came some problem behavior. I walked him regularly and the more I guess he got uh, settled with me, the more he got territorial, possessive, too comfortable, and he would growl and yelp and lunge at dogs who were like across the street, a hundred feet away. So I hired a dog trainer, the very best dog trainer I could find because my dog deserved the best. And also I didn't want him to tear another dog's throat out and have to deal with vet bills and possibly putting him to sleep. Um, so I figured shelling out the money for an expensive trainer with really good reviews was worth it. And, um, one year later, that trainer became my boyfriend. Long story short, we fell in love. I do love him very much, even though we have our issues, which is partially why it's a game changer, this, this relationship. The little ADHD symptoms that I could let slide when I was living alone, um, I could not let slide when I was living with him, and he couldn't let slide either. At first, when we were dating, my my little quirks, my forgetfulness, you know, um, he would be like, okay, whatever. She forgot her keys. That happens. Some people do that. It, it was just a quirk. The messiness of my apartment, I could hide for a while because at the beginning of the relationship, he wasn't coming over. I was going over to his house, which was immaculate. And My social awkwardness that I had, he really understood and was just fine with. Um, he actually has Asperger's too. Um, I know I mentioned my brother and my dad have it. My grandfather has it. There's a lot in my family, and so it's not like any of his own quirks or behaviors were um, especially strange to me. So anyway, he completely understood my social awkwardness. Around dogs, he's amazing. He's a genius. But around people, when there's no dogs around, he's a little, not awkward, just kind of um, abrasive. Very to the point, which some people would call rude, but It's partially because he's from New York, but partially because he's just being honest. Our first real date, um, that honesty, um, I was also very honest, and we both appreciated each other's honesty. Um, He's a bit older than me, so I was like, do you often date younger women? Um, I was just very upfront about it, and I think it did um, startle him because I was going to try to be more tactful when asking it, but I kind of just blurted it out. And Anyway, his answer was no. And then in return, he was like, why are you going out with, or why, why are you coming on a date with me? And I was just plain out like, I like you. Um, and he appreciated that. Um, again, Asperger's, uh, you don't always read people so well with that. So to have someone just be like, this is how I feel. Um, it worked. However, as we got more serious, um, our issues got more serious. Having Asperger's, he doesn't um, cope well with change or disorder. And um, that's kind of what my behaviors encompassed. So he he actually uh, for my birthday he hired me an organizer for my apartment. Honestly, he was worried that I wouldn't like, but it was one of the best gifts, gifts I ever got. It was a it, it like changed my life. I it like opened my my eyes. I was like, whoa, this is what I could this is what I could be living in. Wow, and with organization comes some ease of chores, which uh, is great. Uh, however, I didn't live in that apartment for very long afterwards because I moved in with him. And as I mentioned, his house is immaculate. So he got more frustrated with my issues, and I don't blame him. Forgetting my keys was no longer a cute quirk. It was um, leaving the heat on, raising the electric bill, or leaving the AC on, doing the same thing, but also leaving the windows open at the same time. It was him coming home after a work trip to a house covered in dog fur because I just didn't vacuum. Um, and this, the the kitchen was smelly because I didn't clean up after myself. Um, that may not seem like a huge issue, but you do that repeatedly, and uh, it is especially with his condition. He's got sensory processing disorder, uh, sensory processing issues too, um, which we can bond over. Like I mentioned, I've got the, uh, that auditory thing going on, but he has like a super sense of smell, and so smelly kitchen, um, leaving things in the fridge to rot because I just didn't think to check on the expiration dates, um, it's no good. So I really did try harder, um, I did go back to my planner and I, I had a tour list and I improved moderately. It's a con- I have ADHD, I just didn't realize it. it, it doesn't just go away when you try harder, especially when you have executive dysfunction and starting something is just like painful. I, I felt like I was barely keeping up with his cleanliness, um, demands. And they were, I, I say immaculate, but he just had a normal house, really. To me, it seems immaculate. To most people, it seems normal. But anyway, so over the course of, a, a, of the year, this began to grate on him. And it wasn't just on him. It was grating on me because I was trying so hard and it was so frustrating. And I just couldn't keep up. But the breaking point was, um... Pancakes. <laughs> there were two incidents in like one month where I made pancakes. And each time I would make all of them and then the very last one I left in the pan and forgot about. So each of them burnt to like almost a crisp and he would smell the burning and be like, what's burning? And he'd go in there he'd find these like blackened, flattened, crispy things and be like, what the hell? Cause I mean, to be honest, I could have started a kitchen fire I know this. Um, And it's not like I was like, yes, I'm going to just leave the pancakes there, fuck it, whatever, I don't care. I I just forgot. Um, It just like literally flew out of my brain and it was gone. So if I can, when I make food, I stay in the kitchen until it's done. But with the pancakes, it's like he's got a daughter. She started talking to me the last time. So I came out to talk to her and then I started eating them in the living room. And that's when they burnt. The last one burnt. It was just I got sidetracked. Anyway, so that happened twice, and then there was the opposite problem of hyperfocus, not getting distracted at all. Um, I was printing something out, and the margins were off, and it kept printing out wrong. There's something wrong with the ink. It jammed. I don't know. It was frustrating. I was very focused on getting this flyer or whatever to print out right. But at the same time, the, the morning this was occurring, uh, we had internet people. Um, they had an appointment to install a satellite dish on our roof. We are up in the mountains, and that's the kind of sad, that's the kind of internet we need, um, and also to give us a router and install that inside the home. And while I was printing, they came, they knocked on the door like crazy. I didn't answer, I didn't hear them, I didn't register their noise. They installed the satellite dish on the roof. They were hammering on my roof, um, and I didn't notice. I just, I completely tuned out. Um, they knocked again. They ended up leaving the router at the door. My boyfriend came home and he saw the router. He came in and he's like, they were here? I was like, who? Um, he was like the internet people who had the appointment. Um, and I was like, oh shit, no, they didn't. He's like, well, there's a router out there and there's a new satellite dish on our roof. And I was just, it was, it was frankly scary. I don't think I've had anything that extreme happen or at least nothing that I registered as occurring. Like who knows when I was single and that happened, I would have just been like, "Oh shit, and then um, I would have dealt with it. Um, here it's like, there's another person involved and they're pointing out that this is a big deal. Um, and it is, like, what if something more serious was going on? They were literally hammering on my roof, people could be breaking in and I would just be li- like, la la la. Anyway, so that was kind of the, the breaking point. He he mentioned ADHD, I think, in passing, and I, I thought about it more and I was like, shit, yeah." Um, that sounds similar, um, So, because I, I, did, I did major in psychology for a year, and then I ended up minoring in it, um, so it's not like I didn't know what ADHD was. But I have the inattentive type, and I didn't fit the stereotypes, and I didn't know the exact diagnosis. Anyway, did my research. I actually have the DSM thing printed out next to me. Uh, for all of the inattentive ones, I checked off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the symptoms out of nine, and for the two that I didn't check off, I wrote yes and no next to them. The first symptom is failing to give close attention to details or make careless mistakes in schoolwork, at work, or during other activities, such as overlooking or missing details. The work is inaccurate. Yes. B is one of the yes and no ones, and that is um often has difficulty sustaining attention in tasks or play activities, e.g. has difficulty remaining focused during lectures, conversations, or lengthy reading. But yes and no because... I am a, a heavy, I used to be a heavy reader. I could read a book in a day and just nonstop go, go, go. Um, and during lectures, I usually kind of listened, but again, I, I, it's yes and no. I mean, I put, like, I would write stories on the side too to keep me entertained. And then the next one is, often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Um, mine seems elsewhere, even in the absence of any obvious distraction. And that's kind of true. I, I do tend to zone out every once in a while, but yes and no. Um, I put one check mark, whereas by the other ones, I put like five checkmarks. Um, the next one is often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork chores or duties in the workplace. Um, chores, the bane of my existence. Or And it says, e.g. starts tasks but quickly loses focus and is easily side- sidetracked. The pancakes. The next, the next one is often has difficulty organizing tasks and activities such as um, difficulty managing sequential tasks, difficulty keeping materials and belongings in order, messy, disorganized work, has poor time management, fails to meet deadlines. I usually met deadlines just because the deadline was the motivator, but poor time, time management, always late. Messy, disorganized work, my desk was always a messy mess even though it was moderately less messy than my apartment. Difficulty keeping materials and belongings in order, I've already mentioned um, failing to keep track of my keys, Gloves, wallet, hat, glasses, coat, uh, shoes, all that sort of thing. Um, Here's one where I put yes or no, and that's often avoids dislikes or is reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort, such as schoolwork or homework for older adolescents and adults, that's preparing reports, completing forms, reviewing lengthy papers. Yes, sometimes I avoid them, like when I want to write, but I can't sit down and actually start. But then other times, it's like, at work, I had to do this Excel sheet um, invoice thing, and I just jumped right in and did it. So, I don't know. Next one is, often loses things necessary for task or activities. I mean, that kind of goes into the ones before, so whatever. Um, Next one is, often easily distracted by extraneous stimuli. Um, That's, like, the conversations that I had during parties where I heard, like, half the conversation and then just nodded along and went, "Uh uh-huh, because there were so many conversations going around me. The next one is often forgetful in daily activities, again, doing chores, running errands. For older adolescents and adults, that's returning calls, paying bills, and keeping appointments. Most of my bills are auto-pay, just because I, I, I would pay so many late if I didn't do auto-pay. Returning calls. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Anyway, so that's all inattentive, and I checked off almost all of it. So I was like, well, these are causing some significant problems. And even though I got myself off the Zoloft and that took off and my anxiety was down, um, a lot of these issues cause anxiety. So I wasn't going to go on the Zoloft because that's kind of like treating the symptoms and not the underlying cause. And I think I finally figured out the underlying cause. Um, I used to blame my dysfunctional family, but I I can't blame them anymore. I've moved on. I've forgiven my dad for being a dick. And uh, I've forgiven my mom for letting him um, and just going along with it. That's just how it was, I can't change it. I still love them, they did what they were doing best, and you move on, you deal with life. Um, and this ADHD thing, that's my life, so I have to deal with it. But I'm glad I figured out what it was. For hyperactivity, not really, I guess maybe the lip biting that I do counts as fidgeting. I i don't know, I'm still figuring out the lip biting thing, because I still bite my lips, it's bad, it's gross, um, it's painful, my boyfriend's like, e- are you okay? And I'm like, no. <laughs> let's see, For hyperactivity. I mean, a lot of it happened when I was a kid, but I grew out of it. Um, so yeah, the the climbing, I, I, the climbing I mentioned, um, blurting out the answers I mentioned that, but the rest of it, uh, yeah, not really. Oh, and then for the ADHD thing, besides having those, um, symptoms, the next thing is that several of them have to be present prior to age 12, that they were. Um, the next is that several of the symptoms are present in two or more settings, and that would be home back in college when I was in college. now it's in work, it's with my boyfriend. Um, it's, it's everyday life for me. And there's clear evidence that the symptoms interfere with or reduce the quality of social academic or occupational functioning. I, I think I've discussed enough to be uh, fairly confident that it's impacting my occupational functioning and I know it's impacting my relationship. And then it talks about the severity. honestly, I don't know how severe you would classify these. I mean I'm not like dead, that's great. I'm still doing moderately well in life compared to a lot of people, but I don't know. I put probably it's uh, moderate to severe. So anyway, I ended up calling around to find a psych. Um, The first place I called was really weird. It was uh, like uh, this lady, she was like, yeah, we have uh, spots open for new patients. Um, What are you looking for? And I said, basically, probably medication because I've already done a crap ton of therapy and resolved a lot of issues, but, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist, so I'll do whatever the doctor prescribes. Um, and she was like, oh, we don't have any spots open for patient, new patients. And I was like, you, you just said you did. And she's like, yeah, but they have to be coming in for therapy. And I was like, well, I said I didn't think I needed therapy, but I also said I would do whatever the doctor prescribed because I know I'm not a doctor. And it was really weird. Basically, it sounded like she thought I was a drug addict. I I can't talk. She thought I was a drug addict looking for pills, which is kind of ironic. I've always been a goody two-shoes academic nerd sort. Um, At this point in my life, I mean, in college, I drank a fair amount and did a fair amount of pot. But at this point in my life, I drink probably like once a month and I do pot like once a month. And that's the extent of it. So, I mean, it was weird. But anyway, I ended up going to a different psychiatrist who was the complete opposite of that overzealous receptionist. And I brought my annotated DSM definition with him and it was like, here's what's going on, help me. Um, And so he gave me a prescription to Ritalin. Also, he validated me, which was great. So now here we are. And I am coming up with a plan of action. So what I've done is I've gotten two books so far. One is called The Queen of Distraction. And it's How Women with ADHD Can Conquer Chaos, Find Focus, and Get More Done by Terry Matlin, I think is how you say it. So that will be interesting. That's focused on women with ADHD. Because I think I mentioned at the beginning that one of the reasons I didn't get diagnosed as a child was because people like my grandma... They said, oh, girls don't have ADHD. So it's underdiagnosed in women for sure. And I'm not going to waste time uh, wondering what it could have been like if I had been diagnosed, because that's just going to suck. And then my second book is called Thriving with Adult ADHD, Skills to Strengthen Executive Functioning. Get focused and achieve your goals. Um, That's by Phil Boissier. I don't speak French, so... We're just gonna go with that. And that one looks a little more serious, whereas the Queen of Distraction looks kind of fun, but I think both will be equally helpful. And then I got a planner, because again, like I said, in middle and grade school and high school, I had assignment notebooks and I lived off of them. Um, I was lost without them. And then I just kind of stopped using them once they stopped giving them to me. I need a plan, So I have one. I wrote stuff down today. This was on the list. Um, another thing was on the list, I did that. I don't know if I'll get everything done because it's probably past midnight now and no longer the same day. So we'll see how that helps. Um, I'm gonna try to exercise more. Again, when I had my dog and I was single, I would walk him daily. But then my schedule changed and I kinda stopped that habit. We still walk the dogs, but when we were where we were living before, it was hard to walk them because it was kinda just on the street and there were a lot of cars and it was kinda scary. Now we're living in the mountains. Um, I could walk him plenty and uh, he will be fine. And when I say he, I mean the one I started with. My boyfriend, also being a dog trainer, had two of his own. So we'll walk them too. Um, they're good too and I consider them mine. Except for the Yorkie who is just a monster and she exists. Oh, and, the, and then the Ritalin. Um, I know there's a lot of um, uh, pushback against medication, but... I mean, I did minor in psychology, I took a few neurology class classes, that in no way makes me an expert, but it means I know enough about neurobiology and neurology to be like, look, if there's something go wrong in my system, and there's a pill that can fix it, then I should try it. I, from the research I've done so far, a lot of the homeopathic remedies really have no effect in the studies. Um, diet changes have no effect in the studies. that said, um there's anecdotal evidence for it, so um I'm not gonna not do it. Um people say exercise helps. I'm gonna exercise my diet, to be honest, it's already pretty good. um my boyfriend is a uh, he's going paleo, keto or whatever um and so if if we have food in the house that's bad, he'll eat it. So I just have been buying healthy food and having my stash so my stash is like usually like one tin of chocolates, which I could probably cut chocolate out of my diet. That said, I eat pretty healthy already. I weigh like 95 pounds. Weight is not an issue. Um, with Ritalin, there's some appetite suppression um, side effects that people have talked about, so I will have to watch that to make sure I eat enough. But it's not an option I'm ruling out. However, what I'm saying is that I'm not going to avoid medication because people think that a diet can magically fix your neurobiology. That's just not how it works. Not really. So, I mean, I, I talked to the coworker today and mentioned it, and she was like, don't medicate. And I was like, and I didn't tell her that I already started. Because she, she's like, do CBD. And I'm like, no. Um, I mean, no. CBD is not going to stimulate my sleepy brain. That's not, that's the opposite of what I need. Anyway, research. I'm going to do a lot more research. I've been listening to podcasts. Uh, I've got my books. I've done a lot of reading online, but there's always more I can find out. I want to get into the nitty gritty details, read about the the dopamine and the synaptic pathways and uh, the synapses and all that stuff. I mean, it's been a while, so I'm going to have to catch up, but at least I have a basic understanding, so that helps. So I think that's my plan. I think it is um, Ritalin diet, exercise, research, planner. I really have to be consistent with the planner so um, next time I will talk about that. I'll also talk about the research I did um, and efforts I have made to um, change my exercise and diet and see if that affects me at all. It's not the best uh, experiment model per se because I'm not like isolating any specific variable. I'm changing them all at once. So if one thing is working and one thing is not, I'm not going to really know. But I do think I'll know if I start going crazy on Ritalin. We'll see how that goes. Um, my boyfriend will let me know <laughs> if, I, if I don't realize it myself. I'm also hoping that this podcast would help me realize if I start going kind of wacko. If you have any recommendations um, specifically of podcasts, please let me know. I'm already listening to that um, ADD one by Attitude the magazine. They're good. Um, I've listened to a handful of others, um, but none that I've subscribed to or anything. I literally just got diagnosed three days ago, and today I had my first technical full dose of the minimum dosage of Ritalin, which I think is like five milligrams. It was super tiny. I don't think it did much. But, um, yeah, and the the half dosages that I did the two days before, the two and a half milligrams or whatever they are, didn't do anything. Um, which is a good thing, because they are less than the minimum dosage, and I didn't heal over and die. So that's great. And uh, yeah, I will update probably twice a month, I think. I mean, if anything particularly um, life-changing happens, I'll probably update sooner. Um, but if nothing happens, then it might be a little later, because I don't want to bore you um, with basically being like, nothing is helping, everything is the same status quo. Blah. But yeah, hopefully You will hear from me soon. I would like something life-changing to occur that is not bad. So thank you for listening, and um, have a good day.